Welcome to a new episode here at Care Life Podcast with me, Phyllis McKenzie. If you're new here, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you're listening us from. YouTube, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere you're listening us from. Please like, share, comment, subscribe, follow do all that also follow our social media pages at podcast mckenzie across the board that is instagram facebook twitter and tiktok anywhere you might find us will be at podcast mckenzie check out our other podcast as well wicked campfire podcast if you're interested in anything paranormal and paranormal investigations all links will be in the description down below and today's episode is part two of the Romeo and Juliet analysis. If you're listening to this episode, I'm sure you've listened to the first one where I did a summary of it. Today we are doing an analysis of the themes that appear in Romeo and Juliet. If you haven't, check out our previous episode on Romeo and Juliet part one. Also check out our other Shakespeare books that is Hamlet and Macbeth. Othello and King Lear will be coming up in the next two weeks. So, today's episode is all about the themes but first of all i left off last time with three questions that i had to give you as food for thought when it comes to romeo and juliet the first question was in romeo and juliet if juliet was 13 how old would romeo be so shakespeare never gives romeo's specific age although his age could be anywhere between 13 and 21 so he is typically portrayed as being around the age of 16 in any shakespearean play that came after the book and the second question was is the feud between the capulets and the montagues the only reason for romeo and juliet's death or is the frere mainly to blame as well so the feud between the capulets and the montagues is responsible for their deaths of Romeo and Juliet because it impeded their love for each other as they chose death over being forced apart. Without the feud, they would likely have no barrier to being together. But Frere, Frere Lawrence was also to blame for Romeo and Juliet's death because he was supposed to be the one who would guide them, the one to tell the truth, the one who would tell them, oh, this is wrong and this is right. So if he in the beginning would have told Romeo that no secretly marrying Juliet would not solve the feud but only cause more problems and if he did not actually give the poison to Juliet both of them would be alive and maybe they would have found a way around everything anyways putting that aside let us dive into the themes that are present in Romeo and Juliet. If you remember last time, I mentioned there are four different main themes that appear in uh, the book itself, Romeo and Juliet. And the first one is transformative power of love, loyalty and family honor, violence and conflict, and finally, tragic fate. So, in depth, when it comes to these four themes, the transformative power of love. Juliet first appears in the play as a submissive, almost silent child who dutifully promises not only that she will try to fall in love with Paris, the suitor her parents have chosen for her, but that she will love him only as much as her parents give her their permission to do so. There are few literary moments, even in Shakespeare's drama, to equal the excitement and transformative power of Romeo and Juliet's first meeting. Romeo seizes Juliet's hand 
the first of several actions on his part, including breaking into his garden and staring up the window of her bedroom. That might seem worrying if the audience, like the lovers, were not swept away by the sheer energy of the verse. While the tongue-tied lover is a common trope of fiction, Romeo and Juliet continually pour out their adoration in a flood of passionate words, beginning with a perfect sonnet, which is symbolic of their immediate certainty that they were made for each other. Romeo opens this conversation with a complex religious image, to which Juliet responds with an intelligent and beautiful extension of their conceit. The perfect sonnet ends with a perfect kiss. Juliet was indifferent to Paris, prepared to accept him out of philol duty. Meanwhile, Romeo sighed for Rosaline, who made him miserable. The galvanizing effect of true love on both of them, shown as Juliet instantly becomes a brilliant expressive woman, whose passion is equaled to her intelligence and loyalty, while Romeo turns with equal suddenness into a paragon of joy. Mercutio, who has mocked Romeo's moping about Rosaline, is astonished by the transformation he sees after Romeo's engagement to Juliet. Although he is, of course, unaware of the cause, exclaiming, Now art thou sociable, now art thou Romeo, now art thou what thou art. It is this same transformation that makes Romeo so reluctant to fight Tybal leading to Mercutio's intervention and death. After Romeo and Juliet meet, the sheer force of their feelings is evident in everything they do and say. Audience is in a privileged position to understand this, since no one around them, not even Frere Lawrence or the nurse, sees the intensity of their love, and Juliet's parents are baffled by her sudden aversion to marrying Paris. The audience alone sees the transformative power of love, which turns the two young people, who first appear rather commonplace, into archetypes of romance. The second theme in this play is family, loyalty and honour. Juliet's devotion to Romeo wavers only for an instant when she hears that he has killed Tybalt, her cousin. Bloodthirsty, humorless and permanently angry, Tybalt is perhaps the least attractive character in the play. Nonetheless, he is a Capulet and all Capulets mourn his death with apparent certainty. Juliet quickly reproaches herself to her momentary disloyalty to her husband, but it has been inculcated in her since birth that her first loyalty is to her family. The blood feud between the Montagues and the Capulets includes not only family members, but the entire retinue of each great household. Ultimately, no one is outside it. Even the prince, who, as he says at the end of the play, has lost a brace of kingsmen to the rivalry. It is notable that Mercutio, who is neither a Montague nor a Capulet, is so appalled by Romeo's calm, dishonorable, vile submission when faced with Tybalt's insult that he feels honor-bound to step in and fight for his Montague friends. Tybalt, in his turn, is obsessed with the honor for the Capulets and is always imagining some slight against them even in Romeo's peaceful words. 
The third theme, violence and conflict. Just like any other dysfunctional family in the five tragedies, the action of this play takes place over a few short days, during which time six people die, three of them in violent altercations, two by suicide, and one, Lady Montague, mysteriously off stage, apparently by grief. It is continually emphasized that the streets of Verona are unsafe and that a riot may break out at any moment, as it does in the first scene. Gregory and Samson joke about rape and murder before they encounter the Montagues, showing how commonplace and tribal such matters have become. When the prince arrives to bring a temporary and fragile peace to the streets, he angrily reminds the citizens of Verona that, these were his words, three civil brawls breed of an early word, by thee, old Capulet and Montague, have thrice disturbed the quiet of the streets, and made Verona's ancient citizens, cast by their grave beseeming ornaments, to wield old partisans in hands as old, crankered with peace to part your cranked hate. The prince does not give a time frame within which the three brawls have occurred but he makes it clear that they are frequent and he is tired of constantly having to restore order in the city. He also makes the point here that these street fights involve everyone, even the very old who feebly tries to keep the peace. The atmosphere of Romeo and Juliet is one of violence, heat and haste. Friar Lawrence is always counselling patience and tranquillity, but he is out of step with the rest of the characters and is too slow in his arrangements to save the lives of both lovers. The whirlwind romance of the two protagonists is appropriate to a hot summer in a violent Italian city, where one might die any day. This might happen in any number of ways, including many variety of inexplicable sickness. Juliet's parents, after all, are grieved by her apparent sudden death on the night before her wedding, but they do not seem surprised as one might expect. The passionate intensity of Romeo and Juliet's love is such that the audience cannot imagine it being sustained for weeks let alone years, adding to the sense of inevitability in their headlong rush towards death. The last theme is the tragic fate. This is what makes Romeo and Juliet part of the Five Tragedies by William Shakespeare. The prologue announces the death of Romeo and Juliet before they appear on stage, and it seems that there is nothing they can do to avoid this fate. Their doom is foreshadowed several times during the course of the play. Romeo's clumsy attempts to swear to his love by the constant moon led Juliet to reflect. These were her words. Well, do not swear, although I joy in thee. I have no joy in this contract tonight. It is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning which doth cease to be, ere no one say it lightens. Even more ominously, the last time she sees Romeo alive, Juliet says, O oh God, I have an ill divine soul. Methinks I see thee, now thou art below, as one dead in the bottom of a tomb. Neither my eyesight falls, or thou lookst pale. Romeo replies that she also looks pale, remarking portentously, Dry sorrows drink our blood, he says. 
adieu, a final farewell, meaning until God, they never meet again. At key moments, we are reminded of the role of fate when Romeo and his friends prepare to attend the Capulet Ball. Romeo ominously remarks that he feels the event of the night will somehow lead to his death. Despite this, he is determined to attend, acknowledging that his fate is ultimately out of his hands, by saying, But he had the steerage of my course, or direct my sail. Later, when Benvolio tells Romeo of Mercutio's death before Tybalt re-enters, Romeo has time to exclaim, This day black fate on more days doth depend, but begins the war, others must end. This seems at the time as though it might refer to his own imminent death, for Tybalt is a skillful swordsman. Romeo does not know or care whether he is likely to die, but he challenges Tybalt. He says that one or both of them must go join Mercutio and leaves the issue, like many others in Romeo and Juliet, to fate. These are the four sad themes that appear in Romeo and Juliet. Of course, even though their fate was already written in the stars, that they would die together in love, if both families would have come to an agreement at the beginning and ended the feud, Romeo and Juliet would have survived. Also, if Romeo and Juliet would have come clean about their love, maybe they would run away and survive, or maybe their families would finally come to an understanding that both of them could be the final course to join their families together. Also, the feud went on for so long that it didn't only affect the family, the blood family members of the Capulets and Montagues, but it affected also the servants and the people of the town. That the town was divided and everybody knew they were either fighting for the Capulets or either fighting for the Montagues. So, all this, the tragedy that happened in Romeo and Juliet, mainly was all because of the Capulets and Montagues feud, but also for anybody else who didn't try to stop the feud. That is the prince and also Freya Lawrence. But... That is the end of Romeo and Juliet. I hope you finally have an understanding to the story itself, to the book itself. And uh, I will do this for the next two remaining books in the five tragedies of William Shakespeare. That is Othello and King Lyre. If you haven't, once again, please check out Macbeth and also Hamlet. Those are books, Macbeth and Hamlet have to be one of my favorite books when it comes to the five tragedies, followed by... Romeo and Juliet, then Othello, and finally King Liar. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have, comment on our latest post, comment on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, anything you'd like to see about the podcast so far. And also leave a review on Apple Podcast. I'd love that so much. I love to hear from you guys. And can't wait to finish up this remaining two books so we can dive into the holiday special on december 12 days of christmas until then or maybe until the next episode next week on tuesday i've been your host phyllis mckenzie check out our other podcast links in the description and remember creativity is intelligence having fun till then bye